Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. Inflation is hovering around 7 or 8 percent. The cost of gas is going through the roof. You want to buy something? You're going to be paying more. It is no different for Coburg Police, or any other police force for that matter. As we go into November, it is budget time. You're going to hear a lot about spending money with all the various levels of government and agencies bringing forward their plans. Chief Paul Vandegraaff says he wants public input into the operational budget. You have until November 11th to voice your concerns. But first, you might want to hear where your money's going. Here is that interview. I'm so pleased to have with me today the Chief of the Coburg Police, Paul Vanegraaff. Welcome back to Consider This. Thanks for having me, Rob. If I recall correctly, the Coburg Police Service has not released a draft budget uh, for public input before that. Is, is that correct? Do I understand that correctly? No, uh, no, actually, it's incorrect. So the budgeting process uh, here in Coburg for ever in a day was. Uh, very in concert with the municipality. So when the municipality called for budget submissions, ours went in from the board, that's the process. And then it was heard in the public consultation process. And credit to uh, then, as of today, then Councillor Chorley, she felt that the public needed a bit more uh, opportunity for input a couple of years ago, actually. So I think last year's budget process was the first one where we actually presented to the board in public with a public fashion, and then allowed a month for the public to give input um, into um, the budget, the questions, any questions they had. And then um, the board would then vote in favor or take reconsideration of the budget. And then we would present it to the municipality and the public would get yet another opportunity to offer questions, comments, concerns before council considered the budget and then we'd fall into that budget cycle. So um, this is the second year we've done it this way. Now, why only the operational budget and not the capital? Yeah, for us, it's timing, uh, really what it was, and it's a bit of a unique circumstance. So the capital budget will be presented in front of council and all of council. The, the issue, we're really fortunate here in that we drive a very innovative corporate services division. Uh, we're the leader in processing criminal record checks in, in all of Canada, if you will. And for the last, well, I've been here for uh, almost eight years now, and for for probably the last 10 years, any capital expenses, any capital expenses are covered by the revenue at corporate services. So they don't fall upon the tax levy. So it puts me in a position to be a bit unique as chief of police. So the act does require me to present a capital budget and I will be presenting a capital budget before council. Um, uh, for us, the capital budget is really thin this year. Um, it's cars uh, because we have to get some and they're three years out because of the supply chain issues and some IT stuff. So there's some real minimalist, if you will, capital expenditures in that sense. So, um, and then a lot of our other capital items, vests, uniforms, 
um, things like that, if you will, they're built right into our operations budget anyways, and they're offset through recoveries from corporate services. So that's why there's not two unique and separate uh, budgets in that sense. Looking at the overall budget, it's estimated that it's just more than $10 million. And the that's operational right. budget is slightly under $7 million. So uh, doing some basic math, that means that you plan to allot about $3 million to capital. Am I understanding that correctly? No, you're not, actually. Uh, and that was part of our budget presentation. Oftentimes, people look at the financial information return of the FER report, and they say, oh, geez, Coburg is really expensive compared to others. Well, what I did in presentation, and I'll remind council again um, when we present before council, is that what we should really be measuring is the $6 million or $6.2 million, whatever it is, from the, this is going back to 2020, um, so the 6.9, if you will, now. Um, you should compare that to the other municipalities of like size instead of the other. So when you look at our tiered policing, you look at our uh, different types of recoveries, you look at some of the different things that we do in our organization, it creates a little bit of a, a misnomer. So for instance, the fur is the entire cost of policing. I get it, and it's about $10 million. That's what the cost of the Cobra Police Services. However, a good chunk of that is all of those great people who work over at our corporate services division. So we charge clients a certain amount, we get money in, and that net revenue is what we use to offset capital. So in that $10 million is the cost of all of their staff hours. However, we draw that directly from the gross revenue. So it's not really a cost, if you will, to the taxpayer. So really when we're talking about our budget this year, what I like to remind people is that the ask is for 3.89% increase over last year, and it's a $259,000 is, is what it is. And when we look at the non-discretionary spending, in other words, contractual agreements with three different unions, uh, pay increases and members who are going through their various promotional grids um, as per the collective agreement, the non-discretionary amount is 2.5%. So really what we're talking about is an $88,000 increase um, or 1.34%. Um, and, and I think that's really important to, to, to draw is that we're not just throwing and piling things on. Um, and we're, we're really doing everything we can to be innovative and a partner with the municipality in the cost of policing. So you also have removed the court security costs and you've reduced the police board budget to get to your goal. And I, I guess I wanted to try and figure out what's going on there. What's actually happening with the uh, court security and with the police board so that you get it down to this 4%. Sure. So again, uh, we have to look at our entire budget and you have to look at all of the recoveries. We've been really successful in, in accomplishing uh, about a half a million dollars in recoveries from provincial funding, which provides some services that uh, the town has come to enjoy. So the police services budget is the police services board budget is the easiest one um, to, to, to describe. Council has made a decision uh, not to fund the honorariums for uh, the council appointees to the board. So um, typically and historically, if you will, in Coburg, the board has had the um, mayor and a counselor or the coordinator of protection services. That reduction is based on a motion of council to incorporate that honorarium into their set salary as counselor or mayor. So that is the, that's the, in sense, that's the reduction at the police services board level. Um, and then the core security, um, what we have been doing over the last few years is we've been really 
looking at what it is we can provide that is fair to the taxpayers in Coburg. So again, if, if the budget numbers weren't confusing, this will be more confusing. The court security responsibility falls in Ontario to the police jurisdiction. So whatever municipality has the court, it also has the responsibility for the court. Our court here in Coburg is, uh, is quite unique in that um, we have obviously the provincial court as we understand it and, and the high court as we understand it, but it also has the provincial offenses court, which is typically not in other court buildings. That's, that's the tickets, that's the county responsibility, if you will, but that all sits within the same building. And I do have a court security responsibility. And this is really unique, and I made this comment at the budget uh, presentation. It's a really unique circumstance because uh, the Ministry of Solicitor General provides funding equally or proportionally uh, divided to all police services that have um, security requirements. And that provincial uh, upload, I guess that's what that is, that provincial funding is not enough to meet the needs of a different ministry's demands. So the Ministry of Attorney General runs the courts, um, the judge, judges, justices, court, uh, crown attorneys and like. So they tend to set what the security uh, pro portfolio will look like. And that's where we run into discord. So traditionally years gone by, we kind of gave, we kind of gave and gave and gave and, and then the board and there's the due diligence said, uh, we're not doing that anymore. We're going to we're going to start providing a security at a level that we can afford. So that reduction is really what it, it is, what we will be spending to provide security that is both adequate and effective, that will keep the people safe and keep my uh, uh, my people safe and meets the needs of the courts. And COVID has realized that there's a fair amount of virtual courts going to probably continue uh, bail hearings for one. Um, but there's there's still some some as we come out of this pandemic or back into the pandemic, whichever way you look at it. Um, that, that, that's where we see, uh, obviously, necessary reductions. What other factors are contributing to the fiscal pressures uh, that the police are facing? Yeah, listen, um, it, it, this is not an easy conversation. Um, this is, in fact, a ethically and a moral uh, conflict. So in policing in 2016, thankfully, uh, the governments of the day passed the presumptive legislation for post-traumatic stress disorder or occupational stress injuries. And that's really important. Uh, the men and women who serve our province and our community um, deserve when they need um, care and assistance in managing an occupational stress injury, they need to know that they don't have to jump through 15,000 hoops. Um, and, and thankfully in 2016, um, a, new, a new rule was created. Unfortunately, what that has created is that has created a gap now where the systems in place for our members are not ready, nor are they built for this. I'm a very outspoken um, police leader in Ontario about the fact that the WSIB system that was created to manage bad backs, bad arms, bad necks is very functional and it works really well and it's very successful. However, using the same systems to manage a psychological trauma was a mistake. Um, I've penned a resolution at the Ontario Association of Chiefs of Police, uh, should they co-pen, um, and in that I've asked that all of the parties, police unions, police leaders, boards, associated municipalities of Ontario, the province of Ontario, Ministry of Labour, all come together to rethink this. What's happening across Ontario is, uh, 
and I'm not blaming the members. These, these, these people have served with distinction and they're hurt who can't come to work. And what happens is they're on our books for some proportionality and we cannot provide the policing service required. So we have to hire to replace. So you're kind of like doubling in. And some of these WSIB claims extend to seven and eight years. So what happens is you end up with a WSIB surcharge. Um, ours is north of $100,000. And that's what that $88,000 is. That $88,000 is really looking for two new officers to augment the policing services. And, and we've changed our policing service delivery to a degree. Um, we don't have a school response officer anymore. Uh, we'll have MHART, we'll have HARP, but we are delivering frontline service providing first and foremost um, our special consoles, our, our tiered policing, our auxiliaries, everything's still going on. We're really fortunate here in Coburg. We're doing great things. But that impact of absenteeism. So when I was young and, and, and foolish on the road, you're talking like absenteeism rates between three and seven percent. And that's your parental leaves, your maternity leaves, your bad backs, bad arms, bad everything else's. Now in policing across the province of Ontario, police services are managing anywhere from 20 to 30 percent absenteeism. And these absenteeisms are long hauls. These are not quick fixes. Um, these, are, uh, these are prolonged cases. Uh, so what we're saying is the economics of policing has to look at what, is the, what, what does this look like? We want to support our members, but to what degree? Um, and, and, and that's a big impact. And that's a big impact that every chief is looking at. I'm very proud of our team, uh, Roger Ramkison and the deputy chief for driving this budget. I think it's a fair budget. I think it's a reasonable budget. A lot of our peers, and Rob, you're a good journalist. I know you'll look into this, but um, a, lot of our, a lot of my peers are north of seven. Again, really a lot of it is this board was really proactive about three years ago when I presented this WSIB matter to them, and they allowed me to replace people who were off long-term. And a lot of police services now are just getting into that, uh, into that, posi that positioning and that business practice. So it's not uncommon for my peer group to hear 11%, 9%, 10%. Um, the quick and easy answer is that chief likes to spend a bunch of money and he doesn't do anything. Like, that's the easy answer and I'm fine. And that's the great thing about creating a budget that's fair and open, putting it in front of the community, not once in that we did it in front of the board, not twice in that the board's gonna approve it, not three times in that council's gonna hear their presentation, but four times the community's gonna have input, comments, and opportunities to discuss the police budget. When you were describing the situation and the pressures you face, it sounds a lot like a conversation we had about overtime not too long ago and some of the pressures. What is the relationship between what we just discussed and that previous conversation about overtime and how yeah. do those two pieces fit together? Yeah, the great thing about, about uh, here at Coburg, um, we've we've for the since my let me put it this way, since my tenure as chief, I've really strived to have a very amicable and professional relationship with the police association here in town, and uh, they're they represent the, the the hearts and souls of our membership. And um, and listen, the over we have minimum staffing requirements, which the community should have and should expect and and should 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 want. And um, my members deliver exemplary service each and every day they put the uniform on so our minimums require minimums so when we don't meet minimums because um, people are sick or another long-term absence or we're at holidays or other contractual leave opportunities um, people are coming in on overtime 
So what we've done to try to address that overage is we've gone with that front uh, line delivery model first um, in that we're really gonna leverage our tiered policing for some of the other things, but the, but the surplus isn't there. Um, I would have, my, my, my strategic vision sees a traffic specialist to do traffic enforcement and education, it sees a school response officer, it sees, um, it sees a village, I, I call it the, the village constable, that downtown presence, that person, that, that one face and name that everybody knows in the downtown core. Those are all nice to haves. And uh, this budget is not about nice to haves. This budget is about providing the level of policing service delivery that AI as chief can, can be proud about and put my head on my pillow with some, some semblance of calmness and uh, meets the needs, I shouldn't say that, exceeds the needs um, that the community expects of us. What role has inflation played in the budget process? Uh, where we get hit the most is gas um, and obviously supply chain issues around vehicles um, and some of those um, more, more dispensable items. So like everybody else, we buy uh, hand cleaner, we buy masks, we buy different perishable items. Everybody in town's paying more, we're paying more. Um, where people are paying more for for, for gas, we're paying more for gas. We're, we're, everyone's paying more for hydro, we're paying more for hydro. Well, let's talk about that because uh, I looked at the gas budget and it's it's gone up, uh, well, since 2020, uh, it's gone up uh, nearly double. It's uh, I think it's $120,000 you budgeted for it this year. That's an incredible am amount of money. How, how do you respond to, to something like that? I mean, is there any way that you get a better deal or? Yeah, I mean, um, so we are very fortunate. We like I've said a thousand times in different conversations we've had, Rob, uh, we're a great partner with the municipality. So we do buy our, we get our gas. We don't, unless we're traveling, we, do, we get our gas at the public works yard. So whatever bulk rate the municipality gets, we get. And we're assessed that fee right from the municipality. So, so that's an easy one in that sense. Um, like, like that, how do we address it? Well, we have a hybrid vehicle. Um, the, the one vehicle that's still coming, we haven't heard, is, is hybrid, so that's going to reduce our cost. We have an electric vehicle that our crime prevention and or court security will use to and from the court, not to transport prisoners. So we're doing it that way. The, the next two uh, vehicles that are due to arrive early, hopefully in 2023, are going to be hybrid. The, the ones that are going to come later in that year, one of which is going to be hybrid. Um, again, I got to buy cars to fit the need of every size officer. If it's Constable Bagley at seven feet plus, or uh, Paul who's not um, seven feet plus, I gotta have cars that fit everybody. And then we have supply chain issues and, and what it is, what we can get when we can get them. So we are looking at hybrid opportunities. Um, I work with, uh, as you know, the North the Northumberland Electric Vehicle Society, um, and they would love me to have electric vehicles in every size and every, like they do in Arizona or like they do in, the Midwest of the US, but the Provincial Act, the Police Services Act of Ontario says what kind of cars are accessible to us as frontline policing. And right now there is no total electric vehicle available. And then that comes with a whole different set of conversations, but we're, we are trying to address it that way. Um, uh, we, don't, uh, we don't push cars around unnecessarily, we, like everything else, but uh, at the same time, uh, we do have a requirement to be mobile in the community. Our cars run 24-7, 365, so it's going to burn more gas. And just like everybody, me included, are complaining, like, it, I've, never, I've never had that dream truck I, until I got the, new, the dream truck. And then typical to me, two weeks later, the prices go to over two bucks a liter. 
and uh, and that truck sits all the time now. But um, yeah, we're, we deal with it like we can. The other issue I neglected to mention is liability insurance. I don't know about everybody else, but liability insurance across Ontario has shot up. Um, they, there's, you have to call insurance actuaries to understand why, but our insurance has gone up as well. So we, these are fixed rates. And that's why I say about the discretionary, non-discretionary. The collective agreement says that every member is getting a 2.25% increase this year. That was a bargain deal two years ago. Um, it's non-negotiable. Uh, they're going to get their raise. Uh, there are members who are fourth class constables, who are third class, who are second class, who are working their way up the grids, civilians who are working their way up the grids. Those are non-negotiable. Like they're, they're, they're going to get their pay raises as, as, they're, as they're entitled. There was one item in the in the budget that, that uh, caught my eye, and that was under the title of wellness. And for a number of years, it was at eight thousand dollars, and this year suddenly it's forty thousand. Can you yeah. explain why what happened there? Yeah, we go right back to what I was talking about earlier. Um, uh, what's that definition of insanity? You're doing the same thing and expecting a different result, right? So here we are. Um, we're talking and, and, and concerned about my officers' resilience, and and um, and here's a good example. I think you and I talked about this. Uh, police officers in themselves are, are wired a certain way. Um, that's why we're not emergency room doctors. That's why we're not emergency room nurses. And that's why we're not paramedics. Um, we're wired a certain way. We will go where others don't ever want to go and we'll put our lives in jeopardy to save others. That's what we do. Um, we are not lifesavers in that sense. Our people don't train every day to go out every shift and provide life-saving treatment to somebody on the roadside. And this is what I'm talking about, the, uh, the drug poisonings. Firefighters and advanced care paramedics, this is part of their wiring. Like I would never be a firefighter or a paramedic, I'm not wired that way. Um, and so for my officers, th that is an impact. When I started policing, again, it was 100 years ago, uh, but if you had one or two life-saving events a year, you had a crazy year. <laughs> And, and that was providing CPR for somebody shoveling snow in their driveway or a serious crash. Maybe you're doing some sort of first aid. Those were like one or two. Now my people are doing it once a week. Um, so what we've done is we've invested in the future. Uh, we've invested in wellness and we're in some peer support. So we're I'm really proud that we've just just pre to budget. We started working with the fire with the fire service and a joint peer support unit. So we're too small to have a peer support. The fire department is too small to have a peer support. So we thought we'd come together. We thought we'd come together to really look at critical incident debriefings, uh, training, as well as um, that peer support team. In that, hopefully we can keep our people who are here, here through their traumatic event. Um, and in addition, when they do um, need to vacate work due to an occupational stress injury. And I wanna be clear, I, I probably should make this point, there's not a police officer I know, not one, who doesn't carry an occupational stress injury every day to work. That's the nature of our business. So we have to care for our people. So that's why that change in that wellness line. I hope to see, this is the, the seeds that's being planted this year that we hope to add more to next year so that when I'm retired and I come to the retiree luncheon, we're not hearing the same conversations around this person's not, can't come to work or this person is, is not able to come to work. When you look through the budget, uh, there's no line items for things like the HARP program or the MHART program. Um, how, what's the status of those two programs? Because yeah. I know that they're, they're pretty important to this force. Yeah, so they're built into our operations, into the weeds of the operation budgets. They're both there. So HARP, 
So let's start with our HARP. HARP is first, we received provincial funding for HARP over the next three years, fully funded. That's a fully funded police officer, grassroots, dealing with homelessness, addictions, the response. Like, so we've just announced to Jocelyn, we haven't done the press on it yet, but she's just kind of getting her feet wet. Jocelyn Hiltz is gonna be moving into that role for us. Uh, we're really excited for that opportunity. Um, we've got forecast coming on side. We've got transition house coming on side um, and addictions counselor who wanna come on side to really work with, with uh, Jocelyn in that role. Um, and that's fully funded, it's in the budget and it's no cost to the taxpayer. Every cent is coming from the province of Ontario for the next three years. Um, and MHART is a great partnership we have with our hospital and the Lynn um, and that person is also fully funded. Um, we're moving some people around in the organization. I'm proud to say that Cindy Reeves will be moving into that role and um, she'll, she'll provide tremendous support to our, uh, to our community. Um, and uh, we'll see HARP and MHARP kind of offsetting each other, um, kind of extending their typical hours of work a little bit, some evening work um, and, and see where it fits and really building partnerships. So they're in our budget. They're the only things that are not frontline like these are those those and they're so important they're so so important to the uh, to the success of our police service in our community i also noticed that there wasn't any line item for the cctvs um that uh, have been talked about where where does that stand yeah so that's fully funded um by provincial grants we just got another grant uh, to finalize that project so the operational costs will sit in a special project line and, and any costs associated to that um, will be funded uh, through corporate services. So that's the kind of recovery that we draw down from that 10 to make it that six. So, um, yeah, so really what we're talking about is we're going to uh, we're just been a lot finalizing a really cool mesh network step on that. And we'll be doing those announcements probably early in the next year. But um, it's really cost effective. So we're really proud about that. And that's fully funded cameras or 25 plus cameras once we get this next piece of this grant rolled out. So we're pretty excited about that too, Rob. And the body cameras. I didn't Body-worn cameras. Uh, board motion was very, very clear. Um, again, uh, what a great opportunity that Coburg has in that we were able to move to the officer uh, safety proposal, which everyone probably doesn't remember, but what it, it includes is body-worn cameras. A uh, new less lethal option, the new conducted energy weapon, um, and some other technology for uh, random insurance that our people are compliant. Um, so the body-worn cameras have been deployed since July. Um, I'm really proud of the team here. They've, they've really adopted to this new change. Our people are very compliant. Um, they've really accepted the challenge to this technology, and that's fully funded. So we've got a five-year kind of subscription slash lease arrangement with Axon. That's fully funded from corporate services, 100% funded from corporate services. The great thing about this is our people have the newest technology and less lethal options being the conducted energy weapon, commonly known as the taser, that the minute that is pulled from its holster, cameras are on automatically. And also the technology, the minute the officer should happen to draw their firearm, cameras are on right away, including cameras that are within like 15 meters of that, that, that holster uh, engagement. Uh, will come on automatically. So um, again, 100% fund. This is $600,000 over the course of the, the, of the description, not $1 on the taxpayer, 100% by the great people who do great work over corporate services. I did not see anything about the Coburg Police Facility Plan or the new building. Uh, is, is that still proceeding or has that been put on hold? 
No, no, no. Uh, we, as, as we spoke about both informally and I think just quickly at the beginning, we just come through an election. So timing is everything in a chief's uh, survival, if you will. So we'll be moving forward with the RFP uh, needs analysis uh, early part, uh, later this year, early part of next year. Um, that's already been funded. Um, the board, uh, again, uh, I've been very fortunate. Um, I will be losing, I have lost, begin to lose my board. Um, it's been a pleasure since I've been appointed chief to work with a very, very diligent board. Um, very, very diligent. And um, they were very key on a couple of issues. They were key on funding the, the, uh, the, uh, the body-worn camera project from corporate services, not to put that on the taxpayer. And they were also really unique, first ever, I think in Ontario, we're 100% in belief that the first needs analysis, functions, functional needs analysis for a new facility be funded by the board through corporate services and not by the municipality. So that's the step we're at. Hopefully um, that, will, uh, that report will be ready mid next year. And then council can begin to decide what it needs to look like. But again, that's about a 60 to 100. I don't know what inflation, what it looks like. I'm just going from what some of my peers have gone through. 60 to $100,000 cost. And that's completely funded uh, by corporate services again, and not by the taxpayer. Where technically by the act, the municipality is responsible for the police facility. So, and we do have lines in there, uh, Rob, for facility, um, the upkeep and painting and things like that for the current facility. Is there any pressure from uh, the town staff or or even the politicians uh, who are previously on council in terms of targets for increases? I know that it's quite uh, often um, behind closed doors, staff will look at you, each other and say, here's the target we want everybody to hit um, with their increases. Are, are you facing any of those pressures? Uh, no, because I didn't wait for the new council to be elected. So uh, the board wanted the uh, wanted the budget done. That was uh, they saw it as their mandate. They saw it was their responsibility to get this started and get this done before their term ended. So um, obviously, council will have goals um, and they'll have targets, um, and um, and that's fine. And 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 I'll do my best. And I've always been a my belief. Maybe others will disagree, but I firmly believe that I've always been a strong partner with the municipality and the town in trying to work collectively for the common good of every Coburgian. And I am. Uh, and, and no, I haven't got those goals. Um, at the end of the day, you saw my numbers. Anything under that non-discretionary increase is uh, is a pie in the sky dream. Um, the only way to achieve anything below that is is a service reduction. And then there are all sorts of implications to service reductions, and those conversations um, are, are are they're not secret. But I've I've had many conversations with members of the community because they feel, they think, they understand that. And once I explain the Police Services Act of Ontario, the adequacy effectiveness regulation, and and some of our constraints and what we're doing, generally people walk away. They may not like it. They still may not be happy about it. But they 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 walk away understanding. So if I have a listener who wants to say something or make a comment, where do we go from here, I guess? Yeah, uh, so the, um, the, the, the press release, I'm just going to grab it to make sure I don't misquote it. But my understanding is that we're still looking for all comments and questions to come to Roger Amkison here at the uh, Court Police Service. 
Um, my email is pretty easy to get, so feel free to send it to me or to the board. They'll get it to Roger. We'll get you those answers. Um, also, you can go info at covertpolice.com, and that's our general email address, and, and we'll get that. And again, uh, Rob, I don't, uh, I don't ever shy away from this. 289-251-3476. It's my cell phone number. I answer it every day of the week, regardless of the day, and feel free to reach out to me, and we'll create the opportunity for anybody to sit down with a member of the board or with our CFO. Chief Ball Vandegraaff, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. Thanks, Rob. That was Paul Vandegraaff, Chief of the Coburg Police Force. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.